You're listening to Brazen Bookworms, Unrighteous Reading Rebellion, a reform book snob's journey and musings through all things romance. Some language may not be safe for all ears. Frequent use of sarcasm may occur. Hey, bookworms. Welcome back. Really excited to have you here with me today. Thank you to everyone who um, chimed in after last week's episode about Knockout. Julie and I had such a fantastic time. We appreciated everybody who um, reached out about their experiences there and what they love about events. Uh, very excited to see the authors there and see them again soon. And that soon is actually going to be in November which seemed like it was a really far away time when we bought tickets to Shameless. Um, and it is right around the corner. I think we're a little less than three months away now from Shameless, November 4th through 6th in Orlando. Uh, it is a huge event. This is their last year. So Julie and I wanted to make sure that we got there. Uh, and we have our VIP tickets and we are super excited. Uh, and we are going to be uh, doing all the things while we are down there. And what we learned last week that got us even more excited is that four new and relatively new authors that we know and follow have been invited to be part of the up and coming author showcase on Friday, November 4th. Uh, and we are so proud of them and so excited for them and, and fangirling big time because we're going to get to see them. So, uh, to Carissa Grasick and Nina Bloom and Bly Donovan and Angela Taylor, congratulations on being accepted into the up and coming author showcase at Shameless in Orlando, November 4th through 6th. Julie and I, I know we're really excited for you. I know everybody's really excited for you and we cannot wait to see you and meet you. I thought we were going to have to wait until next March to meet some of you guys at Charm City and we get to meet you in November. So how awesome is that? Um, so if you're thinking, thanks Maggie, the dog's awake. Uh, so if you're thinking about uh, going to Shameless, uh, my understanding is they still have tickets. Julie and I have VIP tickets. We'll be doing all the things and having all the fun. Um, so hopefully if you don't have tickets yet, you can get them and join us down there for this event. We're really excited. All right. So moving on to this week's episode, maybe a little bit heavier. I'm not quite sure. Um, if you follow my blog as well, you'll know that um, this Monday's blog was a break in my author um, spotlight blogs, and I really struggled with what to write. Uh, the author spotlights have been a lot of fun because they give me a focus um, and they let me key in on things I really love about the authors. And when I didn't have an author to write about this week, I was racking my brain trying to come up with um, something to write about. What topic should I tackle in my blog that I haven't before that would be new and fresh and interesting. And uh, <laughs> I was struggling a lot. Um, and it took me reaching out to some friends to say, you know, um, what should I write about this time? And after coming up with several ideas and nixing them, because either um, I'd written about them recently, but they were still in the forefront of my mind, um, or sounded like a great topic, but I couldn't find the interest in it. I couldn't find the grip on it. Uh, I, my frustration kind of came to a peak and 
while I was in the shower, because I do most of my best thinking <laughs> in the shower, um, which is why I have aqua notes, which are awesome that stick on the wall and I can write on them with pencil and they don't get washed off. Anyway, story for another time. But it came to me that um, my frustration with not having something to write about, I think was because I was so over scheduled for a couple of weeks I was coming off of two weeks where I had um, eight ARC releases that I read, which were awesome. I will never, ever regret reading ARCs because I, I love it so much. But there were eight of them in a two-week time span. Um, we did the trip to Knockout with the author event. Um, and I was working on two different edits um, for different authors. And I was working on a lot of... Um, hype girl stuff, a lot of posts for the arcs that were coming out, writing reviews, coming up with graphics, um, you know, making sure that I was on top of all the things because one of the things I really love about what I do is hyping authors that I love, which is getting all the things out there so that everybody sees my excitement over them and, and wants to dive into their books too. Because for me, that's what this is all about. Um, it's all about helping the authors I love find their audience and, and find other readers who love to read what I read and making sure that they're aware of when things are happening. But there was so much. So I had to take a deep breath and sit down because I started having these little doubts creep in about whether I was really a blogger, reviewer, and podcaster or if I was a little bit of an imposter because I couldn't come up with something engaging to write or talk about. And I started to think about how my value would be seen to others if I couldn't do all the things I had promised, if I couldn't read all the things, write all the things, hype all the things, if I couldn't bring it together in my mind, how could I make others see me as relevant and real and, and not, not a hack? Now, fortunately, I have a pretty solid girl gang who are always ready and eager to talk me off of that ledge because we all know that ledge. We all find that ledge occasionally and eventually. Um, and you'll get to meet them over the next couple of weeks because we're going to start talking books. Um, we're going to start pulling books that we've all read. Uh, there's four of us. And... Um, we're going to start talking about them in the podcast, what we love about them, the authors behind them, how we found the book. Um, you know, hopefully you guys will want to jump in on the conversation because I know that there's a bunch of books that we've read that you've all read. Uh, and we want to hear your feedback on them also. So be on the lookout for book talk because we're going to start doing that pretty soon. But anyway, I, I jumped on a chat with them and I was like, all right, guys, I've got nothing. I don't even know what I want to write. I don't know what I want to write about. Can you help me brainstorm? No, I've written about that already. No, I've talked about that already. I don't know why I want to do that right now. Um, and when it finally came down to it, after talking to them for a while, what came out in the blog post was a very simple paragraph um, that basically said, so often we plan all the things just to find out that the things are actually planning us because that's exactly what was happening in my life. I wasn't doing the planning anymore. I was letting everything I thought I had to do 
plan everything for me. And I was so overwhelmed and frustrated. And what I really needed was blank space. And it's funny because <laughs> to me, it's funny because part of what I do on the other side of my life is um, I'm a homeschool parent. I have been um, for 12 years. My oldest just graduated um, from homeschooling and an independent hybrid school. And I coach and mentor families who are getting into homeschooling. And one of the things I always talk to them about is avoiding overscheduling their program for their kids, thinking that they have to fill every space with something because what kids really need to learn and grow and um, implement the skills we're giving them is blank space, space to think, space to reflect, space to do nothing, space to absorb. Um, and I wasn't giving myself that space anymore. I was so planned that I didn't have time or energy to sit and not, to sit and not write, to sit and not read, to sit and not think, to sit and not program, to allow my brain the space to say, oh, this is kind of nice. We're not doing anything. We're just resting. You know, there's a thousand ways you people have said that you, you can't bring water from an empty well. You can't put your own oxygen mask on if you can't breathe, you know, whatever it happens to be. And it all comes back to this taking care of yourself, right? And giving yourself space. So I did. I, I wrote the blog. It was a paragraph long and it was, I'm giving myself blank space to think. I hope you'll do the same. Um, and then I'll be back next week with an author spotlight with more time to think and focus. And while I took that blank space and that downtime, I was able to identify a little more of that creeping insidious gremlin that haunts every creative person I know, actually probably every person, almost every person I know at some point in their lives. I have written about this before. Um, and I'm going to bring it up again because it hit me and I know it's hitting some other people hard right now too. Um, and it's called imposter syndrome. It's a nice fancy word, right? Fancy phrase term. I, I don't know, but it's this feeling that makes us feel like we're not capable or qualified to do the things that we're doing. And this fear that someone's going to find out that we're really not who we think we are and say we are and purport ourselves to be. And they're going to expose us as a fraud. And I hear authors talk about this all the time, imposter syndrome. And as a mentor, I helped a lot of people talk themselves through why they think they're an imposter and how they identify with the work that they're doing and what strides they've made and what efforts they're putting in um, to show themselves that they're not an imposter, that they have earned the right to do what they're doing. And everybody is always learning. Nobody is an expert from the get-go. And part of growing past imposter syndrome is understanding that you're going to constantly be learning things, constantly be putting things into play. Um, and there's always ways to improve on what you do to make you feel more confident and secure in what you're doing. Um, so 
I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. It's actually several authors recently posted a saying. I saw it come across several feeds that said actual imposters don't get imposter syndrome. So let that sink in for a second. Actual imposters don't get imposter syndrome because they know that they're a fraud. They know that they're imposters and they're working an angle so that other people don't identify what they're doing as being imposters and fraud until it's too late for the other people to know. So, you know, think of your typical con man, right? They know what they're doing as a con. So if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, you're not an imposter. <laughs> you are human and you're probably a really good human <laughs> because you're second guessing the things that others might, that you think others might see as um, excessive, conceited, overdone, whatever. And that was really comforting for me to see that reminder. I've seen it before, but you know what doesn't come into your mind when you're having an imposter syndrome issue? The saying about not being an imposter. <laughs> so it was comforting to see that come across feeds. Um, and I printed it out. I put it in my journal. I have it um, different places around the house just as a little reminder. Of course, it won't be in front of me when I really need it, but you know who will? My girl gang. My friends online, the socials that are scrolling through my feed showing me actual imposters don't get imposter syndrome. You're doing great. Keep going. You're doing awesome. Just keep going. But when you're in the thick of it, of course, that doesn't come to mind. So we all need those reminders. Um, you know, I've experienced it a lot. Like I said, uh, when I was a classroom teacher teaching what I actually have a degree in, I thought I was an imposter. When I started teaching knitting, even though I've been knitting for a couple decades, knew what I was doing and had been told by other people, you should teach this because you're good at teaching this. I still thought I was a complete imposter. I teach self-defense. And even though I have 11 years of experience in martial arts and I have the black belt to back it up, I still doubt my ability to teach it every time I get in front of a group. And now most recently as an editor, I've been experiencing this. So I've, I've seen it in my bookworm career, my bookworm life as a blogger, as a reviewer, um, imposter syndrome hit hard when I started writing reviews because um, <laughs> what if someone didn't agree with my review? Did that make it bad? Or um, did it negate the value of it for the author if someone else didn't agree with my review or like it? Would other people question my ability to write a review or my motives for writing a review if someone else disagreed with the review I wrote because they didn't see the same things in the book that I did? And I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm judging myself and my own feelings and my own reactions. And I'm creating this situation for myself as an imposter because I think someone else might think differently of a book that I read or an author that I like. <sighs> Have you experienced that too? Let me ask you a question. 
How many of you don't write reviews because you think your review won't be good enough? How many of you second guess your thoughts on a book that you read because after reading it and loving it, you read someone else's review that wasn't as um, flattering or was downright negative? Why are we judging ourselves as readers based on what someone else's opinion is? How many times did you read a book? that someone else thought was great that you really didn't enjoy. I saw a positive review a couple of weeks ago for Moby Dick. I'm not a Moby Dick fan <laughs> at all. I tried to read Moby Dick four times through my career as a student, once in high school, twice in undergrad, and then again in grad school. I have never made it all the way through that book. I didn't like the part of the book I read. It is touted as a classic and I saw a glowing review for it the other day. And you know what? I thought I didn't like that book, but good for that reviewer that they loved it and they saw something else in it. It wasn't for me, but I'm not going to judge that person based on the fact that they loved something that I didn't because their experience is their experience. And my experience is my experience. So if you haven't read a written a review, I'm just going to put this out here right now. If you haven't written a review for a book you loved, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to give you homework. Hey, teacher is stepping in here. I'm going to give you homework to write a review. It doesn't have to be five paragraphs and it doesn't have to be a book report. Please don't write a book report. Just write a review about how much you loved the book. And why? If you find yourself getting stuck writing a review for a book you loved, send me a message and I'll help you. <laughs> like I used to tell my students, I'm not going to write the review for you, but I'll help you walk through your thoughts and I'll help you put them into your thoughts into words that will reflect well on how you felt around the book. Because I do think part of getting past this imposter syndrome that a lot of us feel is also recognizing that our opinions are important and valid and that we don't have to be an expert in something to express that opinion. And you'll be helping out an author by writing a beautiful review for them. Even if that review is just two sentences or three sentences about how much you loved the book. So let's get past that imposter syndrome of that. So I got past that a bit ago. I'm still writing reviews. I love to write reviews. I still run my reviews past people I know to say, hey, does this sound weird? Is there any awkward language in it? But my review is my review. I'm still going to post it with my thoughts, but sometimes it helps to have another set of eyes, right? So that validation is, is a little, a good thing also to get past that. But walking past that, most recently it reared its ugly head again for me as an editor. Because like, okay, now I am sitting and I am writing things or I'm helping people write things, helping people publish things. And, um, I, I have the background. I have the experience. I'm still growing as an editor. I'm still taking classes. I'm still learning things and still researching, researching things, um, reaching out to other people for help on things when I edit. But 
it is what I do. It, it, I am a professional editor. All right. And I have the knowledge and the background to do that. And I need to recognize that in myself. But that imposter syndrome creeps in with everything in my life because it's just the way my brain lives. So while I was sitting in the blank space, I did a little bit of a deep dive. While the dog is barking, I have a feeling UPS is coming. Maybe it's more book mail. I love book mail. Anyway, <laughs> I did a deep dive while I was sitting in that blank space this weekend, trying to figure out where my imposter syndrome was coming from this time and why it keeps popping up. And it came down to a couple things for me. One of them was validation. Another one was insecurity. And the third one was comparison. And when I hit on that comparison element, it brought up a Teddy Roosevelt quote for me that says, comparison is the thief of joy. And comparison can be really dangerous. But it's something that we're asked to do a lot, right? We're always asked to compare things. So then my brain went a little bit deeper into this. Where is this coming from with the comparison, the validation, the insecurity? Comparison is something we see every day in our lives, and we see it in the book world constantly. Think about it. How many times do you see somebody ask, what's your favorite book? Who's your favorite author? Who's your favorite character from a book? Any book you've read of all time. Really hard to choose, right? And we base those choices by comparing one thing to another. Personally, I can't come up with a favorite on any of those. I have tons of favorites. I'm having a hard time lately coming up with my top five or top 10. Top five favorite books, depending on the week, it might change. It might change based on my mood. It might change based on what I just read. It might change based on how I'm feeling about something I read somewhere else. Favorite author? I don't have a favorite author. I have favorites, lots and lots of favorites. And yeah, I can have lots of favorites. It's my life. I make the rules and they're more like guidelines anyway. Okay. So no questions there. And I'm also giving you permission to have lots and lots of favorites. Sometimes having permission is a good thing, right? If you can't give yourself permission, I'm giving you permission. You have bookworm permission to have lots and lots of favorites. So go out and spread the joy and love for all of your favorites all the time. But I think that comparison leads to a lot of the imposter syndrome we feel with the things that we do, with the things that we talk about, with the people that we meet. What if someone doesn't like this podcast as much as they like the last one? Can I tell you, I have a thing with authors where I tell them, don't ever read the reviews for your books. Julie is constantly saying, and I love her for this. Reviews are not written for the authors. Reviews are written for other readers. So authors shouldn't be reading their reviews. And if you're an author and you need to know what people are saying, I've told you this before, let me know. I'll send you screenshots of glowing reviews, not even mine, other people's reviews. But I, I, I did a bad thing. I went back and I looked at the podcast, the listens, and it's just, I can only see it on one platform, but the episodes that I put out first had lots and lots and lots of hits and listens, and they've slowly been going downhill with the number of listens. This could be for a number of reasons that have nothing to do with me. 
maybe maybe people are listening on their platforms and I can't see what they look like over there because I don't know how analytics on this stuff works. And honestly, it's too technically deep for me to care right now because another girl gang came back and said, who are you doing this for? When you start, I start thinking, have I peaked at only seven episodes of my podcast? Have people listening to me figured out I'm a fraud? Am I a fraud? What do they know what I'm talking about? What if what I'm talking about makes no sense? What if it's not relevant? Here we go. Okay. Creeping into the editing. What if a book that I like, I like better than a book I edited? Does that mean that I did my author a disservice by editing for them? If I like a book that I didn't edit better than one I did? Nope. Has nothing to do with it. And that little comparison coming in there is so dangerous. It's so detrimental. And then the blank space started to go into why and how can I help others overcome imposter syndrome insecurities as a mentor? And I can't do it for, my, for myself. All right, stay with me. This is where the brain squirrels took a little bit of a trip, but they were right on this, 100% right on this detour. It's always easier to look at something from the outside, right? to take a rational eye to someone else's concerns. It's why I am such a strong advocate of therapy and counseling because things look different from the outside looking in and they give a broader view, a more detached perspective. Think of it like you're taking a picture and you can zoom in or you can zoom out. When you're behind the camera, taking a picture of something else. You can take in everything in the surroundings. When you're in front, the picture being taken of you, and you're looking in, all you see is what's shown in that little lens, right? Let me see if I can make this a little clearer because the brain squirrels have got it and now I just have to, to flush it out. Okay. All right, all right, all right, I got it. So stay with me a little bit longer. I know we're almost at 30 minutes, but stay with me. A couple months before the world shut down, before everything went on lockdown, my family and I took a trip to Hawaii. Um, the hubs and I were celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary. Um, and we, we went to Oahu. It's not our first time there. We go often. We love it. Um, we brought the spawns with us and we brought my mom. I know we're weird. We, we love our family. We took them with us. It was a lot of fun. That's, that's for another discussion. But anyway, one of the, the things we did while we were there was something we hadn't done before. And we did it because my mom was there and the kids were there. Um, we took a tour of the location where they filmed Jurassic Park, which is so cool. And I cannot think of the name of the, the place right now, but I'll, I'll find it and I'll try and put it in the show notes. But at one spot on the tour, everybody got off the bus and our tour guide, who was phenomenal, she was absolutely amazing. She took a picture of what looks like us reacting to an approaching T-Rex. It's awesome. It's hilarious because we know what's behind the scenes, right? What you see is we're laughing during it because 
we had already seen several other people on the tour go through this. So it was hard to kind of, you know, put the acting behind it. But what you see is us reacting to what looks like this huge T-Rex coming straight for us. What you don't see that we saw beforehand and we know was there is the tour guide holding a plastic T-Rex in front of the phone and we're further away. So it looks like we're being attacked by a T-Rex. And it's all about the perspective. What you see in the shot is what we see in ourselves when we're looking at ourselves with that little lens of imposter syndrome for me. It looks terrifying, but when you know the reality and you can step back and look at it from a different perspective, you can take in all of the things on the periphery, all of the things in the external. You can see the bigger picture. You can see the comparison. You can see the insecurity settling in. So when you give someone the bigger picture, it makes it a lot more manageable because you can point out all of the things that you're focusing in on as being these tiny little elements of something that's much bigger, right? And sometimes we need the reminder that we're not actually being chased by a T-Rex. And sometimes we need the reminder that there are others who have experienced the same things that we are. And sometimes we need to be perspective keepers for other people. And sometimes we need to reach out to our perspective keepers, our girl gang, to help to have them help us walk through what we're feeling as an author, as a reader, as a human being, it could be parenting that you're having some imposter syndrome with, some doubts. It could be that validation that you need. So here's that silver lining. Because I try to find that silver lining. The silver lining for me, finding the why in it, was that I needed to slow down. I needed to back up. I needed to bring in that full perspective. Because somewhere in that conversation with my friends about my exhaustion and my imposter syndrome was something that kept me going. It kept me reaching out to others for the validation and support. It kept me striving to do better. It keeps me going to prove to myself that I can do the things. It had me reevaluating who I was doing the things for. It had me thinking about whether I was happy doing what I'm doing because I was asked point blank when I talked about all these things I had to do. Somebody asked me point blank, are you happy doing what you're doing? Or are you just doing it to keep away the comparisons, the self-doubt? the imposter syndrome. Where's the joy in what you're doing? And who are you doing it for? Are we so busy trying to please others 
that we've lost sight of why we're doing something? Why was it so important for me that I have something new and fresh to put out in every single blog every single week? Who am I writing it for? Why am I writing it? Who's the podcast for? Why am I doing it? Who are the reviews for? Why am I writing them? I needed to sit down in that quiet space, face the imposter syndrome head on, get a broader perspective from people who could see what was going on, zoom out with the lens and show me the reality. And then help me find the things I wanted to continue to focus on. And I think it's important as we look at the indie author world and the author world in general, the book world in general, and our, our lives in general, that we stop thinking about the comparisons, that we stop thinking about the I promised I would have this done by now, so I absolutely have to have it done. Whether it's a review, the next book, uh, whatever it happens to be. If it's paying a bill, yeah, you should probably pay your bill on time. If it revolves around someone else losing something or, or missing something that's really important, you should work with them to make sure that you can make it happen or maybe find a way to say, this is not okay for me anymore. I need some downtime. I need some blank space. I need to step back. I need to be honest with myself about my intentions, about my reasons, about my why, and about the how. And we need to stop holding ourselves up to other people's standards before we hold ourselves up to our own. So often we plan all the things just to find out that the things are actually planning us. So here it is, folks. The blank space. Maybe me giving myself permission to take a short respite will encourage you to do the same. Maybe me acknowledging that I didn't have to do all the things and be all the things will help you find the space to accept and acknowledge that too. Maybe what we're all looking for is that permission to take that time to reevaluate, to lose the comparison mentality, to understand that when we have people around us who help us look at a broader perspective, we can see everything even better. I don't know. Sometimes I think the best things happen in those blank spaces.
So here's my question. If the best things happen in those blank spaces, let me try that again because I think I just messed that up. If the best things happen in those blank spaces, what won't you do in yours? So there we are, bookworms. Take a deep breath with me. <sighs> yeah, I did just take a really deep breath. Because <laughs> that's a lot. And I'm going to go back and listen to this. And I know I'm going to find parts in it that are going to be convoluted and, and mixed up and things I've said wrong. And I'm going to resist the urge to scrap it and try and start again. I really love your feedback. I think you know where to find me if you've been with me for this long. If you're new and this is the first time you're listening to me, um, I hope some of this resonated with you and you can bring some of it forward into your life. I hope you find your space within this community. Um, if you're looking for this community, at least with my little community, you can find me on Facebook at Brazen Bookworms Unrighteous Reading Rebellion, on Instagram and TikTok as Brazen Bookworm, um, also on Discord, Brazen Bookworm, B-R-A-Y-Z-E-N-B-O-O-K-W-Y-R-M. Drop some comments um, on the podcast posts on Facebook, on Instagram. Join the community on Discord. Let me know what you think. Um, reach out if there's something I can help you with. Don't be surprised if I reach out to you um, when that comparison starts to to thief my joy, <laughs> when it starts to steal my joy. <laughs> you can message me also on Facebook or Instagram. Um, if you can send you want to send me a private message, that's cool. Email brazenbookworm at gmail.com. Um, and until next week, enjoy those blank spaces. Find the blank spaces. And let me know what you didn't do in your blank spaces. <laughs>